to the Chronic Sisters. You are joined by Jeff and Sean. And this is episode seven, Chronic Pain, everybody. Welcome back. Pain in my ass. You're a pain in my ass. Um, and for those listening, yes, I am back from my little getaway. Yeah, welcome back. We missed you. Thank you. Yes, I've learned that Sean is the codependent one. I can't do the graphics without you here. Yeah, look, you got sacked hard. from that. But that's okay because I can't do anything technical. So it's a good combo. Balance. But I am back. I am back from my little holiday, which was an adventure. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time with my brother. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was good it was busy it was lots of red dirt and drop toilets and lots of hiking lots look of it. hiking a lot of hiking a lot of gorges but the sites were beautiful were they was, gorgeous they were gorgeous huh. stop it you took my little gag <laughs> from my insta Fun. um it was yeah it was beautiful it was so nice to get away and now i have a little bit of the Pyro flu or rhino. Yeah. It feels more like rhino this time. Post, post-holiday flu. Post-holiday flu. Thanks, mum. Um, so I sound a bit sexy on the mic today. Yeah, You're welcome. Nasally. Um, it wasn't yes. from me, though. No, I, like to I add. fought that one off. I you got did. over that quick. I did not. I had a very, very sick time. And I was very ill. she sent me videos of her fucking bright yellow snot. It was neon, guys. I had to share it with someone. Yeah. Well, you'll be well, happy to know that my snot colour has settled. It's just all up in there still. Still thick and yeah. blocked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. It's nice. But anyway, guys, you are listening to episode seven, Chronic Pain. But as always, we would like to start with the fun fact follow up. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, I don't actually have that many, but the one that I do have was about a song that I referred to in the last episode about rainbows, um, something about rain, uh, after the rain, the rainbows come. I was getting very confused. Um, The song that I was actually thinking of was a Fleetwood Mac song. And it played when Sean dropped me at the airport, actually. She was like, oh, fuck, that's the song. (laughs) That's the song. Um, So it's Fleetwood Mac. And um, I'll put the link in the um, description if you can go have a listen to it. It's got nothing to do with rainbows. It's the one that's gone viral from the uninspired. What are they yeah. called? The unemployed boys. Yes. Um, thunder only happens. Yeah. Uh, thunder thunder own... only happens when, when it's raining. Yeah, that, that one. one. There's no rainbows in it, so no. I was quite disappointed. And um, I don't know where I got it from, but that's the song I was thinking of uh, in reference to the last post. So right. Well, Roger my, that. My fun fact follow-ups. Not many. But I did ask mum and dad on um, our holiday if uh, mum remembered offering her womb um, I would hope as an that oven, she would. which of course she did. Good. And if dad remembered uh, getting my period and him in the bottom, bottom drawer and popping champagne, which of course he did too. And we had a laugh about that over dinner <laughs> on our first night in Exmouth, which was lovely. And then Sean and I, once re- we recorded the last ep, we did go and see my brother and he let us down. So disappointing. He doesn't call his girlfriend's sanitary products bottom bottoms. I mean... He laughed when we said that. He, he's like, oh God, it's all come flooding back to yeah, me. Yeah, I forgot about that. But he's such a privileged white male um, mm. and he calls them plugs. Ugh. Disgusting. Disgusting. So we're going to try and make him bring back bottom bottoms because that's much cuter much, and nicer. Much better than plugs. It, yeah. I'm not a bloody sink. I know. Literally bloody sink. Bloody sink. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that one. That was accident. <laughs> yes, she's not a bloody zig. Um, mm. But anyway, thanks, Ben, for that. So that's my fun fact follow-up. Short and sweet this week. Yeah, we've, we're getting better at uh, not spitting shit. Yeah. I think I'm, so I'm improving. Honest. I'm improving. Yeah. I, I I'm not think... making shit up as I go along. No. But no. I do on the daily anyway. Just like if I can break your artery dump. Oh, stop. Stop Why do you have to bring that back? I don't know. It's a good one. Bloody hell. All right. Kick off, Sean. Tell right. us about pain. So we're talking about chronic pain today. And um, I, as many of you spoonies out there that are listening, would have experience with some level of pain. Um, and I've actually been in pain for my entire life. I've never really known to be out of pain. You know, that was the first thing I thought about this morning when I woke up. I was like, yeah, doing the episode today on pain. But I thought, God, imagine having a whole 24 hours with no discomfort oh like i i find it amazing that people wake up and And that's their life yeah like that's that's actually the the thought of like when someone asks you like 
what pain what's your pain score so when you do a pain score right if you're any in a medical in nursing um zero is nothing 10 is your arms being bitten off by a shark yeah that's what everyone <laughs> being says. hit by a bus yeah the 10's the worst pain of your life so it's a, it's a scaling process right so it's from zero to 10 and many doctors nurses health professionals will ask you what is your pain score and mine averages out about a four i was gonna say if you ask me right now my pelvic pain is about a four just yeah. sitting here yeah so like four five yeah. is like i can do stuff you won't really know i'm just trugging along yeah but people are supposed to say zero yeah like that's supposed to be your answer if like on the daily is supposed to be zero and that thought blew my tiny little chronic mind in that people actually have zero as know, an answer as an answer. Yeah. And so I I actually haven't done much research. It's only in the last maybe 18 months, two years, that I've actually explored the idea around chronic pain because I have just assumed that that's my life and that, you know, that's how it's going to be and that's what most people experience. I've learned that it's not. And I've also learned that there's a lot of science around chronic pain and there's a lot of stuff about chronic pain that we still don't understand, which isn't helpful when you're in chronic pain. Yep. But there's a lot of science around it. So pain in itself, I've got a definition here. It says, what is pain? It's an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage. Like that's the definition mm-hmm. of pain, right? And so when you hurt yourself, you get pain. A signal goes from wherever you're, you've hurt, travels up your neurons and up your spinal cord into your brain. It gets processed in your brain. Your brain goes, you're in pain. Stop doing the thing that you're doing to protect you, right? But chronic pain is actually when you've had pain prolonged over a three-month period. Yeah, the actual definition when I read it was six months, but now Mm. they're looking at it as more of a between three and six months. But the original yeah definition was pain for longer than six months despite having... So say for endo, if you've had the surgery, ongoing pain after that. Yeah. Like once it's, you've had an intervention. Yeah, something. once you've had an intervention or an injury or being born. Um, <laughs> it's, it's anything living. <laughs> living, existing, anything past the three month to six month is, is categorized as chronic pain, right? And I didn't know that that's what I had until the last two years. And I've had an increase in my pain in my back pain, my hip pain, all that has been triggered as the last domino was stress induced, right? So stress has happened. We're obviously in the middle of a pandemic. I work in infection control. The light is on my department to save everybody and make sure everyone's okay. So it's a very stressful environment to be in, right? So then that then is a domino effect on bloop, bloop, bloop. You don't look after yourself because you're prioritizing work over yourself you're not taking your meds you're not doing your exercises and so your pain gets worse and worse I had a eureka moment when I was like a very peak eight out of ten pain still trying to be functional at work because I felt like the world was reliant on me and one of my colleagues said to me you don't look good and it was at that point that I realized that the mask that I'd been continually wearing Mm -hmm. it was too tiring to do that anymore because I was just trying to live with that pain and I said to them oh yeah like I'm I'm in a lot of pain at the moment I don't really know how to get rid of it nothing that I normally do is helping and they said do you need to be here like should you take a day off and at that moment I was like you can take a day off if you're in pain Mm. like that's an that's a reason to take a day off I know I know what you could do that. I I was like, oh, no, it's just pain. She's like, no, that's you, you need to rest. You shouldn't be here. I was like, no, but if I if I took time off when I was in pain, I would never be here. Yeah, literally. <laughs> never, ever, <laughs> ever. Sorry, I can't work. Speaking, yeah. speaking of that, I was telling Sean just just this morning, actually, that I'm in like the uh, endometriosis WA. I think it's like the endo warriors kind of group. It's a Facebook group made for women who all have endo and it's more of like a support group, Mm. uh, physio recommendations, specialist recommendations, just a place to vent and share experiences. But it's like Sean was saying, it's insane how often pain isn't validated Mm. and recognized. Like it's just crazy. Like people make you think that you should continue 
to function as a normal human with the pain levels that we all experience. And Mm. in fact, like there's girls on that group who haven't worked since 2018, 2019, like two, three years because they are bed bound Mm. with severe pelvic pain. And like Sean said, that affects your mobility and your back pain and your ability to be able to jump out of bed in the morning and do things. And it just blew my mind because so many of them have not been able to get a disability payment. Mm. And there was all of these girls talking about how they'd done application after application and now we're emailing like health ministers and things like that, all because they were told that they're technically not disabled enough, but these women cannot function. Mm. Their pain is so bad and debilitating Mm. that these young women in their 20s, middle-aged women with young kids cannot function and work to support like to support their families, to support themselves Mm. and they're just kind of left in the dark because they technically don't fit under the the old term like disability. disability. It's just so so sad. Well, on the research that I did for Australia, one in five Australians have chronic pain, like are defined as having chronic pain, right? And that's the leading cause of disability in Australia is Mm. chronic pain. But it just gets swept under the rug in, it's just pain, take a Panadol, you'll be fine. Yeah, and I was saying to Shant as well when I did a lot of research on um, chronic pain is that 25% of people who experience chronic pain at some point in their life will go on to develop chronic pain syndrome, which mm. is what Shan and I were talking about. And women are way more likely to develop chronic pain syndrome, which I didn't know. But chronic pain syndrome, it incorporates both the physical and the emotional sides of things because there's a huge psychological component and oh, emotional yeah. component of chronic pain syndrome. So now feelings of depression and anxiety and fear and guilt, they all fall under symptoms of chronic pain Yeah, because they go hand in hand. Well, yeah, because it affects – chronic pain affects your mood, it affects your sleep, which then can cause you – um, you know, general fatigue. Then you, like you said, the emotional side of it, the depression, the anxiety, you're waking up not knowing how your body how is going to react. That anxiety around it. And like, like I said to Sean, I was like, fuck, I'm so tired today. Mm. I didn't, I think obviously I'm fighting off the bit of the paraflu, but like I did nothing yesterday, nothing today. Mm. It's my week of annual leave and I've had a weekend off and I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing. And for once I kind of succumbed to it and let my body just rest because I normally would put the pressure on myself to go out despite the pain or despite feeling wiped out and flat and sore and fatigued. I'd push through it to be like, well, I can't, I can't not do anything. I can't waste this precious time off. Mm -hmm. But really, if I didn't stop, I'd get myself, I'd like trigger another flare up and it would get worse and worse and worse. It's really important that you listen to your body and recognize your pain because I, I'm terrible. I often ignore my pain too. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad till it's really bad. Yeah. And then I can't do anything. Well, yeah, because in nursing, we're taught when you're caring for someone who's in pain, you want to catch their pain before it breaks a threshold into their intense acute pain so when we care for people we manage their symptoms so that they stay in like what's called a therapeutic range so you want that pain level to be able to sit on the relatively low side with the medications the interventions like the heat packs the stretching the hot water you know good food pain relief medication acupuncture, whatever is, whatever floats your boat in terms of getting rid of your pain, you want to aim to get it into that therapeutic band, right? But what can happen is, is if you're caring for yourself, i.e. someone else isn't doing it for you, you can actually push yourself past that therapeutic point. And then when you get above that range, trying to bring your pain level back down is really hard because you've actually gone past the point that you can help yourself. So now you've got to ride this wave of pain out until you can get it back down into the therapeutic range. And, and it's horrible. Like I think um, when Sean and I talk, like, yes, we have chronic pain, but a lot of people with, say, for me, for endo, people talk about flare-ups and flare days. And mm. what that is, that's acute pain on chronic pain. On top of it. So you already have the chronic pain. And then when someone says, oh, I'm having a bad day. They're having an acute episode mm. on top of what is already underlining. Mm. And so you might have... I said underlining, I meant underlying, but thank you. 
I just I was like, I'm not even making sense. <laughs> I did. I was just like, yep, that's like, right. Yeah, yep. you sound smart. I rove it. I, no. I you rove it. it? Fuck. Wow. All right. <laughs> you know, I actually have to admit to something, team. Sean and I are pushing this to the limit. Like this is this has been recorded hot before your ears just Sunday a couple morning. of hours before it comes out. So you know, it's just it's been a week. We're smashing it. But yeah, what I was saying is that like people have these acute episodes on chronic episodes and they have this underlying pain. Nice. Um and and it's really really hard to deal with because you do have like Sean and I talk about medication for example we have medication that Mm. is stronger than our normal day-to-day medication to try and get on top of those breakthrough episodes of Mm. pain but they don't always work Mm. and it's that's where the fear and anxiety comes in because I'm like oh god I can feel it getting bad Mm. what if this doesn't work Mm. oh I'm not going to be able to go to this I'm not going to be able to put that mask on to go to something Mm. and hide it because it's it's, it's, it just sucks. And yeah. like, I mean, there's so many symptoms that around this chronic pain syndrome that we talk about. We spoke about the like depression, anxiety, lack of sleep, but then there's the irritability and the fear, fear of the unknown. And mm. most people then it's terrible, but there's like a huge statistic that people then reach out for things like um, increased drugs and medication, which yeah. you tend to take to help the breakthroughs. But then there's you know, it's really sad. Some people get addicted to those medications and people mm. reach out to alcohol and then, but like, I know if I drink alcohol at an excessive amount or go out with girls drinking, I pay for it the next few days yeah. because it triggers a flare up. And like, it's just so hard. It's such a fine line mm. to be able to manage and cope and survive and get on top of things quickly. And it's expensive, man. Like, yeah, dude. I went to the pharmacy the other day and it was over 150 bucks for a month's worth. Yeah of of meds yeah i paid i think just when was it the day before i went away yeah Yeah, it was about 175 dollars and like it's it's not cheap to be sick and and chronic pain there's all the research at the moment to say it's holistic and it's holistic Mm. treatment and holistic care is the way to best manage chronic pain but that when you look at it it's so expensive Mm. like when i like broke mine down so like Say physiotherapy, yep. which we all know we've spoken about, my trauma, and I haven't been going for a while. But now my coccyx pain is debilitating. Yeah, and she I've had to sit it. on a donut ring when she was on holiday because yeah. it was a lot of car driving. So much car driving. When they tell you that there's like beautiful gorges in Karajini, I thought they were all in close proximity. Mm-hmm. They're all an hour to two hours apart on very rough gravel road. Um, and someone with severe coccyx pain jiggling up and down. Not the one. Not good. So... <laughs> Well, that's another thing, like equipment. Equipment's expensive. Yep. Like those cushions, like for me, just to survive a fucking car ride. Like how mm. sad is that that I can't survive a car ride? Like that um, physio, which I need to get back into, but that was like a hundred bucks a session. It's expensive. And they want you to go, you know, weekly for the yep. first few weeks. And then car, a, a car is, so lots of people with endo get severe lower back pain. I have severe lower back pain, but I also have, as we all know, spicy L6, the extra vertebra. So I have to go to the chiropractor every three weeks to manage that. Then I'm going to get back into, I said to Sean, I said, my coccyx pain's beyond bad at the moment. I need to get back into Pilates because I know that that was helping. But again, it was expensive and I was a little bit far away. So I just stopped it. Yeah. But now there's one on my street and I can't really ignore it. But that, I said to Sean, she was like, how much is that? Like 70 bucks a month? And I was like, nah, man, like 70 bucks a week. So expensive. So then there's that clinical Pilates. Then Mm. there's meds that we spoke about. Yeah. Then there's supplements. So people say for me, they're like be on turmeric and magnesium and fish oil and Mm. vitamin D and this and Mm. that. So Mm. I'm on all of them. That's more expenses Mm -hmm. than equipment, which you spoke about. Then specialist appointments. Like they like literally burn your wallet. That's Mm. insane. Specialist appointments and then psych appointments, GP appointments to get scripts. Like it's just never ending. And the chronic pain itself becomes even more exhausting mm. because and we're it's even, not easy to manage. Yeah, and we're lucky in that although it is expensive, we live in a country where there is free medical care. So we have 
um, Medicare, which covers our bulk billing of medicine and GP appointments, but you have to find a GP that does bulk billing. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone does and none of the specialists really do, or if they do, it's very little that you get back. So, you know, we are very lucky um, in that we live in a country where we are allowed to access medical care mm. for free, um, but there's even m- medical costs on top of that as well. So it, for those that live in America, their whole health system is a completely different um, system to ours in that the baseline is you have to pay for it so although we find it difficult there's others out there that you know the expenses are astronomical compared to ours but it's still an issue like it is expensive it is. to just exist and I like so when some of my girlfriends talk about like oh you you have private health insurance why the fuck would you have private health insurance like you're 20 yeah like nothing's wrong with us and if we're really sick you want a public hospital and you're gonna get an ambulance to a public hospital anyway like why the fuck do you have private health yeah and I'm like oh that's so I can get into my specialist and book my endosurgery earlier than being on the public wait list that's so I can attend the chiropractor and the physio weekly Mm. monthly like and not have to eat beans for the next month yeah like I I can't survive without it. Yeah, no. Like it was never not an option for me. Like I needed good quality private health insurance to be able to manage my chronic pain. And not then even on top of that, speaking of money and costing, for work, if you're if you're lucky enough that you are in a job where you can function the majority of the time, but they do you do have your flare-ups, you then have to take your sick leave, which then chips away and then if you go through a big flare-up that's multiple days that you have off you've then got to deal with the social anxiety of being like an unreliable um employee because you're always off or you're always potentially sick well that yeah that's why I said to Sean like this year like everyone knows my health has sucked this year Mm. but I had had I think we worked out by I think it was by June I had had three and a half months of sick leave this year so more than half the year I'd been off on sick yeah. leave. And my anxiety was huge around yeah, that was. because I ran out of sick leave. I had to start taking annual leave. So I thought, oh, maybe people at work think, she, you know, the work's so busy and yeah. it's so crazy busy and Jess is just chilling on annual leave. Yeah. Like I was in hospital, but you still had that horrible guilt that you were letting other people down. and. Yeah. Like I didn't give myself the time or space to look after myself because I was so worried about letting others down. Yeah, totally. But I couldn't physically stay. I couldn't do anything. I had no. to move into my parents' house. Like I was not at all capable of working, but you still felt like you should be yeah, almost. Yeah, for sure. And like I always feel as well that if I'm unwell, I'll gauge how unwell I am. Like obviously if it's infectious, I'm not going to go to work. But I mean like those chronic pain days where I'm like, oh, I'm really sore, but can I get through the day? Because I want to save my sick leave for if something bad yeah. happens yeah if I need surgery if you know yeah that's at the back of my mind constantly like ever since I had my stroke I'm like I've got a bank leave as much as possible yeah. because what if that happens again and I need x amount of time off like for my hip surgery I'm going to be off work for a, an exceptional amount of weeks yeah and so I've not taken sick days in the past preempting the fact that I need to take time off yeah and so like when so I suffer from chronic migraines and if any of you and I know a lot of you guys have migraines as well the the struggle that you go through with a migraine my migraines can come on at any time of day there is no warning there is no like preempting it it happens like that and like I'll be at work so in the last week I've had two major migraines that have wiped me out one that I had to like disengage everything and just go home in a hole and not talk to anyone and one yeah that I- and so fucking bad because I'm like yeah. calling her messaging her like you're not at your desk uh your desk is empty um no one from your team's around uh yeah. are you home are you safe okay why aren't you answering me mm. right I've been into the bathroom where are you who yeah. are you with then me calling Zach uh, excuse me Zach uh have you got shower where is she <laughs> like yeah it was really bad like I had to basically lock myself in the disabled toilets at work because I was vomiting because the pain was so bad and it just came out of nowhere and my pre my medication didn't help I didn't catch it in time and I was vomiting the entire way home and there was a point that I was vomiting in the um disabled toilet and I looked at the emergency nurse call bell and I was like 
oh, no, I'm okay. I don't need to press that just yet. Because I was vomiting so much, I couldn't catch my breath. Like it was a bad run. And, um, and then I had another one uh, like seven days later and while I was at work, but it wasn't bad enough for me to leave work because work was busy. You know what I mean? So I was at work in meetings and I couldn't see people properly because my vision had gone. But I'm just acting like everything's OK. So no one knows. And that's that's the reality that's of it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. well, that's like even before, like um, my gut plays up 80 percent of the week, let's mm. be honest. And it's so bad. You just kind of put up with it. Like Sean said, in the morning you get up and you kind of gauge how bad your pain is. Mm. I'll get up. And if I like, you know, I'll wake up maybe half an hour, 40 minutes before I have to leave work. Mm. Like my thing I tell myself is if I shit four or five times in that 40 minute period. So that's shitting every 10 minutes. Yeah. Then I'm like, that's right. I'll take two gastro stop on the way, one I park, I'll take a third one, then I should be able to stay at a ventilated bed space for 12 hours. Oh, my God. But for anyone else, that <laughs> would be gastro. Yeah. That's diarrhea. People yeah. would wake up and be like, um, fuck, I can't go to work today. Yeah, Where nah. I'm like, no, only four. Oh, all right, I reckon I can time it. Like, so bad. Even before this episode, I was like, Sha, I was like, well, gut's risky, but... Oh, we'll just push through this episode. We'll do it. It's fine. We'll just do it. It's fine. The pain's bad. It's fine. Like it, you just warp and skew your reality. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then because it's invisible and because people don't necessarily like click on that you're in pain, you, you don't feel like you're validated enough to say, oh, I can't do that. I'm in pain. Yeah. Like it's pain is just this wild jungle that the, again, there's so much unknown and some people, bless their hearts, try really hard to be like, just think positively. Yeah. It's all in your head. It's not all in your head. I absolutely agree with the fact that you can think positively and change your mindset about it, but it is not in your head. You are not making this pain up. This is real. This is real pain and it's proven. So chronic pain, right? Your body is processing the pain signals differently because it has been repeatedly Fired, processing yeah. so it's constantly going constantly going so then what it does is it makes you an oversensitive receiver of pain signals right so there's a wide major um there's a wide range of misfiring that can happen so the things that are feeling the pain so like your skin can be oversensitive yeah. that if someone wipes say a cotton wool ball over your skin it, it feels feel like, like needles fire or needles yeah. yeah wild it's wild literally on that this is a bit of an overshare but hey that's what this podcast is about so for people who are out there which I know we do have quite a few listeners who have endo and vaginismus but there is so much research to show that a lot, like 50% of vaginismus work is exactly what Sean just explained. Mm. So that oversensitive, over-firing. So that's why I said I don't casually get intimate with people yeah. because of the pain. So my brain just automatically goes into this is going to hurt, this is going to hurt, this is going to hurt, this is going to hurt. Mm. And so my pain receptors are all triggering, triggering, triggering. Mm -hmm. And then so what, so what is actually very painful becomes even more painful. Yeah because of the overreactive stimuli. Mm. And part of the assessment for that is a gynecologist gets exactly what Sean said about a cotton tip yep. and they just poke around, um, around your vulva, around your entrance to your vagina, around your cervix. And I was almost going to kick him in the face. Mm. I want to kick him in the face now. It's that same man. But like... <laughs> You the the pain and it's and it's just an assessment and mm. I can't tell I had tears in my eyes, it's horrible. And mm. so I've been on this treatment which I'm really bad and I've been doing a couple of weeks off and then stopping and I need to do three months. Um oops. But it is really good chronic patient. It's Bravo. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um and if you actually do, this is I only have just learned about this. So it's not spoken about. There is minimal research out there, but the little research that has been done, it has incredible results. So if anyone's listening with vaginismus, you should speak to your, I don't know if GPs will prescribe it. If you ask them, they might, um, but it's a topical cream. Mm -hmm. So it's a mixture of baclofen and amitriptyline and it's pretty much does what Sean said. So it, it's topical. So you're only treating that area that causes pain. Topical means that it goes onto, on, the, onto surface, the skin. Like sorry. Onto the yeah. Skin. So you just, you just literally put it there and 
what it does is try to change those nerve receptors and those um, stimuli. So it kind of blocks the pain, your pain perception, like it, it stops them tracking back. And anyway, it's very interesting if you do want to read about it, baclofen and amitriptyline, mm. topical cream. Mm. But that's exactly what it does. And it doesn't have to be just there. So say if someone had, um, you know, sensitive, like Sean said, like your skin or there was an area that caused pain, like it's been used in other areas too. But for me, that's what I've been looking into and worth giving it a go because mm. um, Sean and I, Sean only just recently, but I earlier this year got started on amitriptyline. And I hate to say it. But I have had expired scripts since 2015 for amitriptyline. Six years. Now, I, as a knowledgeable clinical nurse, (laughs) didn't take it because I was too worried that it's also used as an antidepressant and therefore I don't need that, so therefore don't use it. Mm. This is a clinical nurse who works in ICU that knows it. Many drugs can be used for many different things at many different doses. But Mm -hmm. I still was like, no, 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 no. Because it was associated with depression, right? But no doctor really explained to me why. Mm. And again, it's exactly for that, to change your nerve pathways. It's for nerve pain. It's to try and reduce the way you perceive pain. Yeah. And anyway, I have been on it now since this, the start of this year when everything flared up. Mm. And I I mean, I don't know if it's made a difference. May, maybe it has. And I definitely have room to move in my dosage. Um, but I think because I've had so many things on top of it, it's been hard to really assess it. Yeah. But you do need to give it a good three months to, to see. Stock up to, in yeah. the old brain. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Sean said to me, she's like, oh, have you been on it? Like, cause they spoke to her about it. And I said, mm. you know what? It's not actually that bad. Like yep. people don't explain to you. I actually mentally don't feel any different and I'm having it at such a low dose. I should know that. I do know that, but I still, I don't know. Yeah. But you're not your own nurse. Yeah. You're, you, when you, when you're going through it yourself, you're not looking at it as a nurse. You're looking at it as the patient, right? You need someone to be the nurse for you in those moments. Yeah. You can't nurse yourself and be the patient at the same True. time. It's hard. Nurses don't do it routinely. No. We're very bad patients. We've spoken about this We're the worst. But with chronic pain, the the emotional side of it is real, right? And to be honest, I've been on the drug that um, Jess was talking about. And I've also on another medication that similarly is used in um, depression, um, but also chronic pain. And you know what? I'll take as a little help I can get, like, to be honest. Like, if it's one little boost, sure, I'm going to. I'm going to ride that wave mm. for sure. But it's it's the way that pain affects your body is wild. Like it affects your heart rate, your blood pressure, your respirate, like how fast you breathe, which then tires you out, which then affects your sleep. Like it is a crazy cycle that you go through yeah. for this pain. And I saw this really cool video. And again, I'll put the link in our um, info Uh, for a TED talk that was by Karen D. Davis about how your brain perceives pain and how it receives the messaging for it. And a lot of it is around like how your brain processes pain, similar to that of like um, runners. When they run, they get that runner's high because it releases endorphins Mm -hmm. and dopamine in your brain because it's a pain receptor. It's a pain response. Our bodies are so in tune with itself that it does things to help itself all along the way. But what happens is, like I said previously, when that repetitive message comes in, your brain's like, okay, this is what's happening here. We need to, this repeated pain message is a lot. We need to try to reactivate, deactivate, whatever you're doing, stop doing it because we need to protect ourselves. And it's a protective notion, but you need to try and train your brain to be like, it's not as scary as you think. We are not going to die from this. And that's where it comes in around changing that chemistry in your brain because your brain is is muddled from yeah. receiving that message so many times. Yeah. It needs to be retaught. And even there's actually, for women who don't have pain or chronic pain, P.S. I was thinking about it. Just take a drink every time Sean and I say pain this episode. Pain. It's fucked. Um, but for women who don't experience pain and say there's a lot of research about nurses who – Go on annual leave and get sick 
as soon as they go on annual leave. Oh, yeah. But it's a bit the same because your body runs such high stress levels, so much adrenaline that you don't know that your body is secreting. And that's all to keep your immune system up, to keep mm. you going. As soon as you stop and relax, you're like, you pick up every bug, hence my nose. But same with Sean and I, like as soon as we actually stop, say, come home from work, sit on a couch one day, mm. on like last night, I tried to get up off the couch and I was like, holy shit, like my hip flexors are really sore. Mm. My bladder was really sore. I was like, ow, ow, ow. I can't lay, I can't sit because mm. my coccyx fucked. So I'm like laying awkwardly on the side with my dog on top of me. I was like, ow. But it's only because I stopped. Yeah. If I just kept going, you just kind of like, your body just forces you to keep going. And then mm. when you stop, you're like, oh, oh my God. Like it's I the, shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. Yeah. It's the fight, flight or freeze mentality, right? Yeah. Like yeah. your body's crazy at protecting you. And we punish it. I know. So frequently to do that. All of the spoons. I actually, there was a quote from the book that I've spoken about earlier on, I think in a few episodes, the How to Endo book by Bridget. Oh, yep, um, yep, yep. The one that I said, I, I didn't learn a whole lot from, but it was very nice to feel validated and for others mm. to read it who are trying to understand it, whether it's a partner or a friend or a family member. But there was a quote in there by a girl called Mae Whitman and it kind of really explains what Sean said about your brain and your receptors and pain and pain on a good day and pain on a bad day. But it said, because a lot of people describe, say, endo pain, it's like gunshot, like when it's really bad, like gunshot wound mm. pain. I explain it as I feel like I've got three screwdrivers in my pelvic area, like they've just been stabbed in and then someone's slowly trying to turn the screwdriver. Blech. That's how I, the best way I've ever found to describe my pain. But this quote says, one of the most difficult factors of endo somehow isn't the gunshot wound pain. It's the psychological pain that you experience. It's also the unknowing that really adds to the psychological damage. Oh, yeah. I think anytime someone is in chronic pain for so long, it's almost like there is a phantom living there. So even when you don't feel the pain, you still remember it in your body and then you still kind of feel it. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to have a pain-free day. Yeah. And I've never had one. No. Nah. So I went to a neurologist this year for my migraines because they got really bad. And he asked me, um, when was the last time you felt no pain or no pre-headache or no tension in your head? I was like, uh, never. Like I've, ne I've had migraines since I was 11 years old. Try being at school, high school, and every second day, and I am not exaggerating, every second day you have a migraine that knocks you to the floor. Like you are vomiting, you can't see, you're going hot and cold. Like that at 11 years old to now, to be told, oh, you'll just grow out of it. It's just hormones, it's just puberty. While you're waking up at like 3 a.m. with a migraine. Do you know, that's the worst wake up. I don't care what anyone else says, to wake up from having a migraine in your sleep, oh, it's the worst wake up. Oh, it's the worst. You're like, I can't even wake up and be pain-free. Are you kidding me? Like, because when you have a migraine, you go to sleep to try and help fix it. But the thing that tries to fix it is actually giving you one. And yeah. you're just like, I can't escape it. Nah. It's just, and we all get into these like little rituals or habits or like, um, pain management so for my migraines it's very weird it's a very weird um process that I go through but I'll share it with you um so I've learned over the years that this is how I deal with a migraine right so I get my migraine like I might lose my vision and it looks really weird I'm like waiting I'm like is this just going to be a visual migraine or is it going to be a full-fledged pain migraine with vomiting and I'm like waiting and then the vision clears from my eyes and I'm like okay two minutes and I'll know whether I can keep going or whether I need to run for a dark room so when it happens that it's a big headache I know that I must a vomit before I sleep because otherwise the pain will be too much and I must be in a very dark room and I must lay the other end of the bed so where your pillow normally sits I must take my pillow and put it at the other end so where my feet would normally be, right? You're looking at me strange. It is strange, but it works. So you put, you put the pillow at the foot end of the bed, but you don't go under the duvet. You like sleeping bag the duvet over you. So you're lying on top <laughs> of the duvet. It's a process, sister. You sleep on the foot wow. end. You wrap the duvet around you. So you're like cocooned in. What and then, What's the science behind this? 
Huh? Is there science behind this? No, not at all. It's just a shine shine science. (coughs) So you're lying there. You've got your burrito sleeping bag duvet. You've got your pillow. You've vomited once or twice, depending to get the pain level down. And then you put a fan on your face. Oh, yeah, definitely the fan. The fan, the fan air. And then you sleep and you cocoon yourself in the duvet. So your body is warm, but your face is cold. And that, my friends, is the Sean science around dealing with a migraine. If anyone uses this technique, <laughs> please let us know. Or if you try it with your migraine and it helps you, you're welcome. Yeah, and let us know. Well, because Zach now knows that that's my process. So if he has to pick me up, because I can't drive, I shouldn't drive if I have a migraine no, like that. No, one should. When he picks me up and I'm vomiting in the toilet of my pre-sleep vomit, um, he'll set the bedroom up for me and put my pillow at the end of the bed with the fan on. Oh, God, I love him. That's so cute. He's so cute. I love him so much. That's so cute. But yeah, so he's love amazing him. like that and he'll he'll get my water for me and just like set up the bed in the weird way that I sleep that's, in it. Yeah, you are a lot. I know. You're a lot. But it helps me. And I'm really glad that that does and that, that you found something that helps. That's, yeah. That's the best part about that. Yeah. But even like I said to when Sean was just talking about how when she went to a specialist and she was, couldn't recall a bad like a pain-free day. Mm. Um, when I was away, I was so anxious. Like I was camping. I was in the bush in mm. a tent. Like I didn't want to be the Debbie Downer on a family holiday. I hate that, yeah. I, you know, I, it was just the four of us. I wanted to keep up. I loved the activities. I wanted to be able to hike and snorkel and do everything mm. every day. And I didn't want my body to stop me. And I was so lucky because even Sean was checking in and my pain was nowhere near as bad as it has been this year nowhere Mm. near and even mum every day would be like wow like you've done amazing to get through today but I still did have two flare-ups and Mm. probably on like day four and day eight like so they were spread apart and I did get on top of them really quickly with breakthrough meds which was Mm. great Mm. but um when I think about it I'm like wow my pain was so well controlled for those 10 days and then I'm like (laughs) You still had two really shit days. Yeah. You were only away for 10 days, Jess. That's, yeah. that's like, you know, it's that's not that good. That's yeah. 20% of the time yeah. you still felt like shit. But you've, you've got a warped sense of okay. Yeah. Like but that's for okay me, for I was like, if that is me for the rest of my life, I am happy, happy as. Yeah. Like, so good. But so that's, really how, good. that's how pain affects you, like, as much as it is a holistic thing, it affects you holistically. Yeah. Like it warps your sense of okay. It warps your sense of what you'll accept is okay. And it affects you like you feel guilt for not being able to go to things, for putting yourself first. Like some days you physically cannot get out of bed yeah. and you have to not go to your friend's 30th or... Yeah, like I know? said yesterday, it was a Saturday night. could have gone out with friends. Yeah. I was on annual leave. I did nothing. And I said to Sean, it was the first time ever I've done nothing and felt good about it. Yeah. And didn't have that inner voice tell me like, oh, you're being pathetic, Jess. Every other girl's out there doing things. Mm. You know, you should be able to push through this. I just just let it be. And mm. I think now, like I said to Sean, my cold feels 10 times better than it felt yesterday. And yeah. I think my body really bloody needed it. Yeah. Well, comparison is the thief of joy, as they say. Oh, you're so wise. Thank you. You're welcome. So wise. that's not my quote. That's that's from someone else. Okay, but it is very well known that comparison is the thief of joy, and it is so true. Your pain, my pain, is very different, and we cannot compare. We can compare notes and experiences, but they are never going to be the same. And like for the last two years, I have been on a concoction of medications to try and combat my pain, and. That's why I'm going for my hip surgery this year because the pain is just beyond the point that I can care for it by myself now. And prior to the two years, I was not on any slow release pain medication at all. I was able to manage my pain with physio, heat packs and sleep and stretches. And that was okay for me. And that was working. And then the last two years that wasn't working. And those physio appointments were actually Um, triggering spasms and I was getting worse and the stretching and exercises were causing me more pain and fatigue and I spiraled and now I'm on lots of meds and I don't want to be so I want to be back to where I was pre the two years and I don't want to be on any pain medication anymore and that's why I'm putting my foot forward and having the surgery to hopefully make me better 
We've had a shit two years. Oh, man. Us. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's not been good. It's a lot. But what also upsets me, well, not upsets me, but is hard to hear, is when people ask, are you feeling better? I'm never going to get better. Mm. Like, I'm always going to mm-hmm. be sick. And the fact that you're asking me, and I know it's coming for a lovely place, but I'm never going to be better. Mm. Because that's the whole point of being a chronic illness sufferer, warrior, whatever you want to say. We don't get better. Chronic is for life. Yeah. Like we can't fix it. We're never going to be better. And it just, it reminds us of that when, when we're asked, how are you feeling? Are you any better? Like what's better? Like Like, when I had my endosurgery and people were like, oh, so it's gone now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe for a week, two yeah, weeks, a couple of months. It's coming back though. Yeah. Like, no, it's not gone. No. Um, I don't really feel better, but no. I did it for symptom management for my chronic illness. Yeah. And it's it's a really hard path to walk. And I think the more we talk about it, which is what this podcast is doing and so many other people around us in this community are starting the conversation. I think that's awesome because we are not going to get better but we need to get better at managing it and accepting it and being yeah. accepted in society. Yeah, definitely. Right? It needs to be an open conversation. Yeah. And we're getting to the point that that's starting. And I think that's awesome. But then so sad to hear like those girls say that they can't get disability payments. Yeah. Like, you know, we still have such a long way to go. And even just now thinking about chronic pain, there's also so much that comes with it. Like for me, I might have a day where my pain might be manageable with my TENS machine, heat packs, medications, Mm. walking, you know, all of those things. I might be able to keep my pain under control, but then I have other terrible symptoms, which is nausea, Mm. the diarrhea, the vomiting, the indigestion, the fogginess, the headaches. And then I guess some of that doesn't really fall under pain, but it's all a part of having a chronic illness. And just because someone says, oh, well, you're not in pain anymore. It's like, yeah, well, every swallow, I'm like, oh, is that a vomit? Oh, mm. am I going to vomit? Like, yeah. or waking up with nausea. That's another terrible way to wake up. Yeah, amen. Just like I live off, I've got, you know, I try not to take the hard stuff. I live off like ginger tablets and yeah. ginger kombuchas. And like, I try everything else, like alternatively, mm. but it's so hard. Also, fun fact, fun fact. When I was away, I worked out another trigger those two that were one of the two bad days mm. I had said recently, I was like, I think eggs fuck me up eggs. Right. Mm. And they trigger an endo flare up. And I was like, I haven't actually looked into that. If anyone's done some research, if eggs <laughs> trigger an endo flare up, but I said to mum, I was like, I think it's eggs, but eggs alone. So if eggs are in like chocolate or a dish or something, mm. I'm okay. Mm. But if I Soul have egg. an egg, like a boiled egg, fried egg, yeah. scrambled egg, poached egg, any variety of egg, yeah. which often happens when you go out for breakfast. Mm. And I cannot tell you, I like crap water and the pain is insane. And I take like 10 gastro stops after I go out for breakfast with a girlfriend because I always get like smashed avo and yeah, poached sure, egg or sure, something. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, we just made a breakfast like at, by the campsite yeah. and we had like egg with bacon and stuff like that. I was fucking gone, gone. And I said to mum and dad, I was like, it's because I had fucking egg. Wow. And they were like, yeah, right. So then the next time we had breakfast, they're like, don't have an egg. Yeah. Didn't have an egg. I was fine. Weird. We have to look into that. We have to look into that. And then on the last day, I really wanted, there was chili scrambled eggs at this, yeah, yum. Or um, was it shashuka? Shashuka. Mm, And I was like, that's what I want. I want both of them. I'm going to get one. Which one should I get? And the mum was like, you're not going to get any because we've just worked out the egg fucks you up. And you've got to get on a boat. You get seasick and vomit anyway. So (laughs) we're going to get a boat in three hours. So do you want to vomit and shit yourself on a boat? And I was like, oh, fine. (sighs) So anyway, I got zucchini fritters or something. No, cauliflower and leek fritters. They were really nice, but not as good as shishika would have been. Mm. Um, But I didn't flare up. So I, I think... I think there could be a thing. Just an egg by itself. Can we really, should really look like, into I that. I know, weird. But it, it triggered my whole pain. And when I literally, because you stop and you diarise it, I was like, yeah. oh my God, it's egg. Weird. So weird. If anyone else has an egg experience, please slide into my DMs. Yeah, let us know in the comments. That would be really good to I know. know. So now I'm never going to order egg at breakfast. Which again, it sucks because chronic illnesses affect your life choices. <laughs> I really want the egg. But I'm not going to do it because I know I pay for it. And then oh. I'll literally be driving down West Coast Highway be like, do not crap yourself in the car, Jess. 
That's that's where I'm at most breakfast, <laughs> to be honest. You know, I was on yesterday, oh. I went out with Bella. We didn't eat bad food. We just ate a lot of food. Yeah. And the two of us were to share ourselves on the way home. And we rang each other to talk through that experience. Oh yep. my God, you too. It's bad. bad. You too. I know. But, but I think we went to Get Chunky. And guys, Get Chunky, this is not an ad or a promo. Or free advertising. Get Chunky, <laughs> if you would like to sponsor us, you can. They now do gluten-free. That's right. I had three girls slide into my DMs who are all fellow glutards. And they were like, Jess, why the fuck are you at Get Chunky? Yeah. They don't do gluten-free. I was like, sisters, they do hop on board. Wow. So if you're listening. <laughs> and you're in Perth or anywhere yeah, that has a get chunky. It was delicious, but I felt so sick afterwards. But a good sick, like just because yeah. I ate so much Happy. sick. Not a flare-up sick. <laughs> <laughs> I can, can work out which one is An weak. acceptable level of sick. Yeah. But I think, so getting, bringing us back to the topic, sister. Sorry. Thank you for that detour. But now I want get chunky, so... Thank you very much for that craving that I now have. Um, You're welcome. I think we owe ourselves a pat on the back, right, for just getting through any day that's a bad pain day. And for all of us that have a chronic illness, we get what a bad pain day is. And we appreciate that that is a lot to show up. And it's real and it's true yeah. and it's a real thing. And like Sean, I remember Sean said in one of the other episodes about saying, when Sean and I were talking about nearly dying a few times, but we said, it doesn't matter what experience you go through. If it's awful for you, then it's awful. Yeah. So if it's a bad chronic day, it's a bad pain day for you, then it is a bad pain day. You don't need to explain yourself to anyone else it it is a bad pain day and it is validated yeah and you can take a sick day for being in pain i've learned that now yeah we're still not not 100 percent good at that but i i do think about it now that's that is a start i mean that's a start but i just i think that we are so hard on ourselves and we're not kind to ourselves when we're struggling And I think I need to get better at that. I need to get better at the self-talk. And the part of it that's in your head is how you treat yourself, right? And you need to allow yourself to not be okay and acknowledge that and to ride that wave with kindness because your life's already difficult, bro. Like you don't have to make it harder for yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Amen. you know, so you've already been dealt a pretty shitty hand and that sucks. And like I said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparing yourself to someone who is able-bodied and then also someone who is another chronic illness sufferer is never going to bring you joy. Yeah, and like people say, people with Marfan, scoliosis, endo, comparing yourself to another endo sufferer, another person with severe scoliosis and thinking like, or why can they do this that mm. day? And why can't I? Like, that's not healthy. It's not good. Like, we know that people experience pain different, that pain is subjective, that people yeah. have other issues going on, not just the one thing, and no one's experience is the same. So don't compare yourself to someone who's going through what you think is something similar because mm. it might it might not be. Because like Jess said, pain is subjective, right? One person will feel the same source of pain in a completely different way yeah that's why so many people have so many different varieties of pain capacity yeah because we literally don't feel pain the same yeah someone can be in a six out of ten pain me included and function in a meeting or at work but someone can also be six out of ten pain and be wiped the fuck out and I think we see that like I see that a lot working obviously in an intensive care environment parents will often say like they're the tough one they're the Mm. tough sibling Mm. they're the strong sibling they're the stoic sibling they're the one with a really high pain threshold and I think that when you have a chronic illness like yes of course you can be oversensitive to areas and you know have really horrible pain triggers but underlying that I think we have such a high pain threshold that the pain we experience when we do stop and have to look after ourselves is pain that would hospitalize people it's pain that would really wipe someone out and you know like that's like when I was walking around workings with a peritonitis and a bloody (laughs) hole and leaking peritoneal fluid and septic (laughs) That everyone was like to me, I remember that one, that really cute Garni that we're talking about, the like down to earth, quite bogan, really funny lady. She was like, your pain threshold is fucked. And that's mm. actually how she said it. And mm. I was like, 
oh really do you reckon she was like you were you were running at unit unit like yeah. septic like what the fuck and I was like <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah now you put it like that yeah. and I remember I remember all the consultants being like Jess you can't drive to that appointment I'm like why I, I have been at work for the last two I mean, weeks. I'm What's fine. the difference? But honestly, it does completely warp your understanding of pain. Yeah. Pain isn't normal. You shouldn't feel it. No. And so when you do feel it and feel it all the time, then I'm like, man, if a shark literally bit me arm off. How would you feel? How would I feel? I don't know. That's inconvenient. I'd be like, oh, now I've got to paddle <laughs> with one arm. That's so annoying. Ugh. I'm never surfing anyway, guys, so it's no, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I did a lot of stand-up paddleboarding, though. I can do that. I just don't do waves. That's just a lot do for waves. me. I don't no. like the fact that there's something in the water that can eat you. No, that's fine. One time when I'm I okay first moved that. here, fun story, when, when I first moved here, um, I was in the ocean and my Australian friend was teaching me how to choose how to like dunk under a wave or jump over a yeah, wave. Yeah, see, that's where my anxiety kicks in. Yeah, so I... Being from England, we don't really have warm enough water to do that. Um, <laughs> but we like it's not the same culture. And also us, our beaches, a lot of them have pebbles instead of sand. So they're not very comfortable to lie on. Anyway, that's a different discussion. But I was in the ocean at um, Malalu and I was dunking and jumping, blah, blah, blah. And then we saw this like dark figure in the wave. And I was like, huh what's that? And my friend who was the Australian, um, disappeared, just fucked off back to the shore. And I was like, huh? And I was looking at this black figure coming towards me and it was swimming. Like it wasn't seaweed. I was like, huh, what's that? And then everyone had left the water and I was still there. Rookie era. It was a seal, guys. It was a seal. It was okay. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's really cool, a seal. And then I was like, it went back to the shore and I was like, guys, there was a seal there. They're like, seal is shark food. I was like, what? She's like, get out of the water if you see a seal because there's, there's going to be a shark near you. And I was like, huh. So all that time that I saw this black figure coming towards me, possibility of it being a shark was pretty high, just stood there. Well, I did was, nothing. I was, like I said, <laughs> just snorkeling all of last week and mum, dad, Ben and I were snorkeling and we saw heaps of turtles and fish. So and It cool. was amazing. But dad's like swimming. He's like, oh, sweetheart, look, there's a shark. And I was like, what? And this poor, beautiful lady who'd never swum before. She was African with her boyfriend, <laughs> like on a floaty, nearly died. And dad's like, just stuck down, sweetheart. It's just there. And so Ben just goes, oh, yeah. Didn't expect to, to like, he thought maybe dad was over-exaggerating. Yeah. Dad's like, just under that rock, mate. And so Ben, like, dives straight down to the bottom. He's just like, what the fuck? And his head was just, like, there, right? And I tried to get under to look. I don't know why. I, I was very adventurous on my holiday. But my ears, I can't deal with the pressure oh, going yeah, that sure. low. So dad was like, come around this side, sweetheart. That's its tail, like through the other end of the cage. <laughs> like it's it's that large. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Why are you anyway, still in the water? I don't know. I swam with sharks in Hawaii too. It seems Hawaii. to be a thing. Um, and then we did like with the humpback whales too. Oh, wild. that's cool. Did you hear that story? I was uh, it must. I think it was on Life Uncut the girls were talking about it and then my brother and I were talking about it because it came on the news. But that diver who was like diving and then it got pitch black and he was like, what the fuck? And a humpback whale had put him, Eaten in, his, it? It put him in his mouth yeah. and then he spat him out. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so we was, the humpback whales were, were large. Um, yeah, crazy. And Big then boys. we went to a pub and one, like everyone's quite young and very friendly up in Exmouth yeah. and, and one guy, I was part of the conversation, but my brother overheard it and like joined in. One of the workers, like, and his mate's like, oh, I'm so glad you're all right, mate. Like, you nearly died yesterday. I'm so glad you're all right. And Ben was ah. like, what the, what the fuck happened, bro? Like, what happened yeah. to you? And he's an underwater deep sea dive photographer, videographer. Oh, that's cool. And a humpback whale had been caught. He was, like, swimming with his girlfriend, taking yeah. videos and stuff. That's what they do. And they have a little canoe that they hop in and out of to do it. Yeah. A humpback whale had been caught in netting. Oh, no. Um, and then they looked and there was just, like, thousands of sharks waiting for it to die because it was wriggling oh, my to God. attack it. Oh, God. And that were in a tiny little canoe and there was all these tiger sharks everywhere. Wild. Anyway, I didn't get eaten by a shark. You'd see a couple and it was pretty cool. I actually didn't get freaked out. I would definitely have gotten freaked out. Uh, or except well, the four of us. So after we'd seen that one shark, which we worked out was a lemon shark. Didn't know they were a thing. Cool. 
Um, they Why look they're scary. Shark? I don't know, but I think they're they're they Do don't they have yellow on them. No, it's very like brownish. Why are they called lemon? I don't know. I'll, that's a follow up. Um, but we'd seen a few turtles and it was all really nice. And then my brother, like, we were all talking. Then Ben was like, "What? What's that fin?" coming towards us, that big fin. I was like, oh, maybe it's a dolphin because all I wanted to do was swim with dolphins. It wasn't. Ben's like, Jess, that's not a dolphin. It's definitely a shark. It looks quite large. That's a fin. I just don't think that we should swim towards it. Let's just hang around with this turtle over here. Uh Uh-huh. What does dad do? Oh, my God. Freestyles to the fucking fin. And mum's there going, babe, babe, what are you doing, babe? Come back. You're a fucking idiot. And then dad, Ben's like, don't be a hero, man. Don't fucking swim to him. You've got to get eaten. And anyway, dad's like, I can't find it. And he just was circling around trying to find this shark. So dad put himself up as a sacrificial lamb because that was just stupid. <laughs> and Ben was like, I didn't look like a fucking lemon shark, man. So, <laughs> Or side note, um, an emu ate Jess's muesli. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I should share it. I'll share it on our page. So... Oh my god! Did you see the photo of Mum no. with the emu? No. Fuck! I'm gonna put that on the page okay. too. So there was this emu at our campsite that came around every afternoon, and he had like no issue with people or personal space to the point where I like Googled our campsite on Instagram, like I typed in the location to yeah. see if other people had posted this emu. Anyways, emu has been around for years. <laughs> but I looked, and in 2019, he had a family, and he had like six little Aww, kids little babies. and so it was like him teaching him things around the campsite but now all the kids are gone and it's still him so I like worked <laughs> out he had a story and a place and that was quite nice but like I don't really need him to come up to my face and dad took this photo mum and dad were having a this is Ben and I had come home already so this is only yesterday guys yeah. Ben and I had come home and dad was like holy fuck the emu's back because I had by the end of it I was like dad I'm gonna get a selfie with the emu and all my friends are like so frightened of birds like, don't do that I'm like no no I've, I've worked out his story we're friends I'm gonna get the photo yeah but this emu had come up to mum's face and mum is just like her face is screwed up her eyes are shut she's trying to have a drink and it, the emu's just there on her face and dad like put it on his Instagram was like a bit too close for comfort or something but it was wild but anyway I was snorkeling and we'd left we have like a camper trailer mm nothing fancy and we'd like shoved everything back in like the cupboard and the fridge and and we'd put all the deck chairs in front of it and stuff like that yeah nothing much is left out it's very basic camping yeah and we got back and there was just like muesli all over the floor and I was like (laughs) what the fuck and then my brother's like what the fuck my muesli bag was on the roof of the tent (laughs) like the actual box of leftover music was I was like how did that get there? I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And the oldies around our tent came yeah. over and they're like, oh, why are you gone today? Like he came and he, he took the box of muesli and he just kept throwing it on the floor to open <laughs> it. And then he got frustrated that he couldn't. So he got the other one with the, in a Ziploc bag and he like put a hole in that. And that's why there's muesli everywhere. <laughs> and so the fucker ate my muesli and he came back every day. Like I was playing Finska. I won. <laughs> With my family. And he came over and just like joined in the game. And then I was like, no, you're the asshole that ate my muesli. Anyway, I put a poll out there saying, should I eat the leftover, what's it called? Muesli. Muesli. I said yes. Or he's like, am I going to get some weird bird flu? And it was kind of like a 60, 40, 60% of people like give it a go. And mum was like, it's fine, Jess. And I was like, no, mum, I don't have time to die of a bird flu. Like I've got enough going on. So inconvenient. And she was like, I'll eat it then. And then the next day, Dad was like, babe, you don't have any music in your yogurt. And mum's like, oh, I'm scared. I'm going to get something now. Just put that in my head. But anyway, it was weird. And he was quite cute though, but very overly friendly. Yeah. But I will post those photos because they're very funny. Good. And I need to show you that one of mum. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was a random detour at the end there. Apologies, team. But next episode, we're very excited that we've got our first episode with a interview so we've done a chronic pain episode today and next episode we're going to be talking to some wonderful ladies that have harnessed chronic pain management um, and we're going to be talking to them and hearing their story so very excited and that is if we look we are promising it but that's if we can sort out the technical side of interviewing I have faith interviewing girls 
from the other, other, side, of the other side of Australia. So <laughs> we'll see how we go with that. But that's with the girls from Spoonie Society. So if you know them, get excited because yeah. that's who we are talking to. And if you don't know them, go follow them on Instagram and see what the wonderful they're things about. they're doing. Or just wait and listen and we'll tell you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, quotes. Oh, questions, yeah. Questions quotes. and quotes. I don't have any questions. I don't have any questions for you either. Pain Other than sucks. did you did you name the emu? No. Nah. Export. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly along to the quotes. <laughs> wow, that was quick for me. On my back. Don't forget the three R's. Rest, replenishment, and reflection. Nice. Nice. Once again, I've got a long one. Let me just find it for you. Here we go. I think it's brave. I think it's brave that you get up in the morning when your heart aches and life is messy and you do not feel like being soft in the world. I think it's brave that you continue to love and express and open your soul despite the way you've been treated in the past. I think it's brave that you keep going, that you keep believing in something more, something bigger, even when you may not know what you're hoping for. I think it's brave that you fight. I think it's brave that you choose every single day to move forward because that's what makes you strong. That is what makes you strong. That's nice, beautiful. isn't it? I like and that. I think it's brave all those people who are battling chronic illnesses, chronic pain, pain, a shitty time. I think it's brave that we all keep going despite our limitations. Absolutely. Amen to that, sister. What a sign off. Anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a fabulous week and we'll see you on episode eight. Take care, guys.